Welcome to Building Safe Workplaces, casual talk about serious matters. I'm your host, Tommy Nip with Hask. Today we have a special treat. We will have a guest host as well as a guest speaker. Our guest host is none other than our very own Russell Kleingartner with HASC. Russell Kleingartner ser- currently serves as the COO of the Health and Safety Council. Russell began his career with Dow Environmental. Later, he joined the Brock Group, where he served 20 years in the organization and held various leadership roles, including serving on the executive team as a senior vice president of HASC. Russell earned his bachelor's degree in industrial management and received his master's of business administration from Tulane University. Russell is a board certified safety professional. He enjoys aviation as a private pilot and spending time with his wife, Leslie, where they reside in Friendswood, Texas. Our guest speaker today is none other than Sam Smolik, author of The Power of Goal Zero. Sam Smolik has an extensive career in international executive leadership with petrochemical, oil, gas, energy, and manufacturing companies. Of course, he wrote the book, Power of Goal Zero, to share his learnings from his 50-year career and some of the techniques used by his companies to achieve industry-leading performance in safety, quality, and reliability. Sam Smolik retired in 2017 as Senior Vice President of America's Manufacturing at Lionel Bacell Industries. He was previously Global Vice President of EH&S at the, D- the Dow Chemical Company, Royal Dutch Shell, and Lionel Bacell. Smolik and his colleagues developed and perfected many of the principles that are shared in his book. Smolik graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in Chemical Engineering from the University of Texas at Austin. He now serves on the board of directors for various companies and organizations. He and his wife, Stephanie, live in Houston, Texas. And there you have it. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Russell Kleingardner. Hello, my name is Russell Kleingardner with the Health and Safety Council. I am honored to moderate today's session with special guest and author of The Power of Go Zero, Mr. Sam Smolik. Sam, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you, Russell. Glad to be here. Sam, throughout my career, I've read many books that focus on business strategies to help enhance leadership skills and overall business acumen. Although many of these books add value, none have been associated specifically to the industry in which I serve. What I appreciate about the power of Go Zero is that it provides relatability. The life lessons that you share with us, along with the guiding principles, provide a fresh and exciting roadmap for all leaders, no matter their experience level, to follow. Sam, before we begin talking about your book today, I want to take a moment for the audience to understand you as the author of The Power of Go Zero. Beyond your brief biography introduction, can you give us more insight into your background and tell us a little more about who you are, both personally and professionally? Well, sure, Russell. Um, <clears throat> as was mentioned, I worked for uh, three international companies. Uh, and during that time, my first half of the career dealt with manufacturing. And so my job was to run plants, produce product, uh, meet the customer's needs. Uh, of course, along with that, it's, it's managing budgets, people, uh, customers, on and on and on. The second half of my career, beginning in 2000, uh, was a, a global vice president of environment, health and safety and operational excellence. And I did that for Dow and for Shell and for Lionel Bazell before I retired in uh, 2017. And during that time, it was really the first time that 
my primary focus was on improvement of performance. Uh, you know, as a line leader, you're always worried about performance and you want to uh, do the best, best you can, but, but uh, whenever you have a functional job and it's how do you impact behaviors, how do you uh, create systems where you learn best practices and keep getting better and better, it's a huge challenge. Sam, when you look back on your nearly 50-year career and your relentless pursuit to achieving superior performance, what exactly inspired you to write The Power of Goal Zero? Well, Russell, I, uh, <clears throat> I had thought about writing a book uh, for many years, but I never really had the time to do it. And then when COVID came about and everything shut down, I said, if you're going to do it, do it now. And prior to that time, I had participated in a, in a couple of conferences uh, where people were talking about incidents that occurred, and they were brainstorming of why did these keep reoccurring. Uh, we're losing experience of people. The baby boomers are retiring. Uh, people forget lessons learned. And I thought, you know, we've solved that through, through the years. And uh, so I wanted to write a book that captured the best practices that I've seen. And not, not to say that it's the only way to do things, but uh, best practices that we found to be very effective in helping to achieve excellence in everything that you do. So Sam, Cindy Childs, a former colleague of yours at Lindale Bissell, mentioned that the Go Zero transformation was one of the most exciting and rewarding experiences of her career. Now knowing Cindy, her 10-year career and working with her myself, this is a powerful statement for her to make about Go Zero. Can you tell us exactly what is Go Zero? Well, first off, Cindy is an outstanding safety professional. Uh, I really enjoyed working with her. And for her to say that is, is, uh, is really heartwarming to me. Uh, goal zero is a philosophy of excellence. I think it's a code word for excellence. Uh, it, it means zero defects, zero mistakes, zero noncompliance, uh, zero missed opportunities, uh, really perfection in everything that you do. And it's something that the workforce can understand. If you talk about goal zero, you don't think of it in terms of an organization. You think of it as you as an individual. We've always said goal zero begins with me. It means can I today and on this task work safely, avoid incidents, avoid mistakes, and if I do that, and everybody does that, it rolls up to quality performance across the organization. So goal zero, once you integrate it into your culture, it becomes very, very powerful. Yeah, good point, Sam. So in your book, you discuss concepts and principles of operational excellence. You even connect the dots with N Go Zero. Can you tell us more about, about your formula for achieving operational excellence? Well, through the years, uh, <clears throat> when we'd evaluate incidents or things that happen either within our companies or within the industry or, or even other industries, and you look at the root causes, sometimes it's people elements, sometimes it's equipment failure, sometimes it's uh, the procedures weren't right or the equipment wasn't right. And what I found is when people are evaluating uh, reactively, uh, how do you, you know, what went wrong, or proactively, what should you do to go forward, they bounce around and there was no structure. And so we came up with this formula 
that operational excellence is really built up of five components. One is leadership, and we all know that everything begins with leadership. The second is people. You've got to have people on your team that are competent, they're well-trained, uh, they know what to do, they're motivated. Uh, you have to have a culture, a, win a culture of winning. And, uh, you know, guess where goal zero is, a goal zero culture. You have to have systems in place, and by systems, or a lot of times we call it a management system, uh, it's procedures of how you do things and standards that are, represent uh, minimum requirements. And then finally, especially in manufacturing organizations, you need assets. So you need a, uh, uh, your manufacturing equipment that you deal with, and it has to be designed properly and well-maintained. And so what we found is if you put everything into one of those five buckets, you can analyze problems that occur, but more important, you can have a proactive focus on each of those five categories, and that's, that, that really is a formula for success. So, Sam, in your equation that you just talked about, you mentioned one of the driving principles to achieving operational excellence <coughs> is systems, or most commonly referred to in our industry as management systems. Can you tell us more about these concepts? Well, uh, I, I like to say that a management system is the way we do things around here. And imagine one extreme, if you had an organization and everybody did everything their own way. There was no consistency. You know, one example I think about is in your kitchen uh, where you have your knives and forks and spoons. Most everybody has a divider and everybody knows the system for where things go. And therefore it makes it easy to find them when you need it. If you didn't have that, <clears throat> can you imagine just throwing everything into the drawer with no organization at all. And so that's what management systems are about. Now the important thing on management systems is to keep it simple. You know, too many people make very long procedures, very detailed uh, standards that, that have many, many, many requirements that's impossible to comply with. And if you have a system like that, uh, there's no way you can have full compliance and you'll never reach world-class performance. So, Sam, in running with that theory, in Chapter 6 under management concepts at work, you talk about simplicity and its prevailing theme throughout the book. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I'm glad you're referring to Chapter 6. That tells me at least you made it uh, halfway through the book. <clears throat> uh, yeah, simplicity is extremely, extremely important. Uh, everybody tends to overcomplicate things, and, and everything we do is not simple. Okay, none of our work is simple, but the power is in be able to take something complicated and explain it in a simple manner that everybody can understand. And once people understand the big picture, then you can go back and put more details under the framework, which goes back to the formula we talked about earlier. People can understand the importance of those five categories, but then as you go forward, then you put the detail into how we do things in a simple manner, and that, that really works out. So Sam, in, in talking about management systems, I like how you integrated subject matter experts. Can you tell us more about that? So in organizations, <clears throat> like uh, in large companies like I dealt with, where you have a lot of resources and you have subject matter experts, uh, a lot of times they tend to be uh, uh, 
kind of like Maytag repairmen in a way. That's an extreme analysis. But they wait until something bad happens and then they come in and tell you what went wrong and you know what you should have done. Well, I always wanted to turn that around and make sure that every subject matter expert we had worked in a proactive manner, uh, making sure we understood the best practices that were uh, well documented and that we were utilizing them in the company. So we created a system once you have the management system framework that then I assigned uh, owners to each of the major topics and their job was not to just be a subject matter expert but rather to keep the procedures and, and requirements up to date and continue to build on experiences from within our company and across, across the uh, organization. And so well, I found that, that these technical people responded terrifically to that because instead of just being an expert, they had a, a responsibility for maintaining the system in a way that, that stayed up to date all the time. If you're in a smaller company, smaller organization, that's where you tend to multitask and uh, people have to do many, many different things, but this concept is the same. You can have somebody who is responsible for the system and their job is to continually learn, gather information, both internally and externally, and update the system as you go forward. But if you keep it simple, it's easier for people to understand and it's easier to maintain. Okay, Sam, so let's uh, shift gears a little bit and talk more about people. In chapter four, titled A Passion for People, you share a Go Zero Nugget with us to provide constant feedback on individual and organizational performance. How can we apply this learning nugget as leaders to keep our people motivated? Well, Russell, feedback is extremely important to all of us. Everybody likes a pat on the back. Um, you know, I'll give you a story about uh, feedback. So we had a plant operator one time, his name was John, <clears throat> and John was, was really a laid-back individual. He would sit there, he would do the, the minimum requirements. If you ask him to pick up a flow rate or add some steam or whatever, he would do it, but there was no enthusiasm at all. And he was considered a mediocre employee. But one day, one of our supervisors went to a bowling alley and he heard this, this loud noise in the back on the far left lane. He looked over and there was John. John was, uh, he'd grab his bowling ball, he'd go up to the lane, he'd concentrate, he'd roll the ball down the lane, he'd be, look with anticipation as the ball hit the pins, boom, it, it explode. He'd jump up and down, holler, and go write his score down. That, you know, everybody said, now this can't be the same person. Why is he so excited at the bowling alley and not that way at work? Well, <clears throat> the difference was feedback. He was getting immediate feedback when he bowled the ball, he knew it's going down the middle. When he hit the pins, he'd see it. He'd hear the explosion of the pins. And then he got to keep score and he knew the score and he always tried to get better and better and better. Whereas at work, we really didn't have to do a good job of telling him uh, how he was doing individually, how the plant was doing, how it was performing, what's the efficiency, what's the, the production rate, and he just didn't get that, that feeling of feedback that's so important. Now, if you take the game of bowling 
and assume that you put a sheet or a curtain in front of the pins. Now imagine you go up, you, you bowl the ball down the lane, it goes through the curtain, and you don't hear anything. And then you go sit down, the next person comes up, and they bowl the ball, and then they go sit down. Well, how excited and motivated would they be? You know, so the, they're going through the same motions, but the feedback makes all the difference in the world, and that's the way it is individually with people and, and organizations. Well, Sam, uh, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this book is that you share quite a, quite a few personal stories um, based on your experiences that you endured. Obviously, each story, just like this bowling one, uh, has a learning theme associated with it. Can, can you share with us another one or elaborate on, on one? Well, I'll share one with you uh, very early in my career. Uh, I was in, uh, started in, in research and development, and we built and operated a small pilot units to uh, develop technology. And one time, I, my, one of my first projects, and uh, you know, I was in charge of designing the unit. I had a contractor assigned to me, and he built the unit. It was primarily tubing and small equipment. And uh, it was very successful. And one day we were inside the building, a bunch of us were talking about different things, and. And I made a mention about my pilot plant, the pilot plant that I built. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, Sam, I don't remember any pipe wrenches in your hands. And uh, he said, you didn't build that thing, I did. And I thought about it and he was right. You know, I didn't do it. And in fact, I didn't really design it all by myself. I had help from supervision. And so I learned very early in my career, uh, you know, one of the learnings was be careful about saying I, you know, I did this, et cetera, or my, this is my department, my company, you know, my report. Uh, give credit to your people and say we. Now, if you're a leader and things don't go right, that's when you start saying I, you know, or my department did not come through. You know, I need to do better. Uh, that's a sign of a good leader. So. That's one of the tidbits in the book, and, and I have a lot of uh, life lessons like that that I share. Well, Sam, earlier you spoke about excellence, and throughout your book, we often see the word excellence referenced. Operational excellence, safety excellence, excellence model, or just a few to name. What should we think about when we hear the phrase excellence? Well, uh, I like to think of it in terms of you strive for perfection, <clears throat> but uh, everybody knows you're not perfect. Vince Lombardi had a famous quote. He said, gentlemen, we are going to strive for perfection in everything we do. But knowing full well that we're not perfect, I expect that we'll hit excellence along the way. And he said, I have no intention of just being good. And Vince Lombardi was a tremendous uh, professional football coach. <clears throat> uh, there's other stories like that. Nick Saban, who uh, was, of course, the the winningest national, uh, winningest uh, football coach in college football. Uh, Nick Saban, if you listen to him, he talks about his system all the time. He's got a system for how they recruit, how they train their, their people, how they get seniors to be leaders, how they prepare for football games. 
and and then they have relentless execution at it. And Nick Saban wins year after year after year. He's won the most national championships of all. So when you think of excellence, uh, there's many examples like that in sports, uh, restaurants that you go to, or companies. And in my opinion, you work just as hard to be excellent as you do to be good or mediocre. Because if you're good or mediocre, you're constantly uh, correcting mistakes and things like that. So, you know, strive for being the best at everything that you do. Well, Sam, in Chapter 3, Leadership Excellence Begins With You, you talk about your experience with Mr. Jim Gallagher, former CEO of Lindell Bissell, and Bob Patel, current CEO of Lindell Bissell. Both Jim and Bob have amazing success stories as leaders, and as you mentioned, embraced Go Zero and operational excellence. What characteristics do you believe it takes for a leader to succeed in today's competitive environment? Well, you mentioned uh, Jim and Bob. They were outstanding leaders, and Bob's still in the, in the seat uh, doing a terrific job. Um, <clears throat> I think the characteristics, one of them is, is integrity. You have to be uh, confident with yourself. You have to have your own goals and values that you live by, and don't deviate from those. Don't ever let anybody uh, make you do something you don't want to do. And at the same time, you need to push hard for the right thing to be done within your organization. And sometimes you might be the lone voice in the room, but uh, it's very, very important. Uh, the second I would say is uh, integrity. You need to be truthful. You need to do what you say you're going to do, follow through, and uh, stay consistent so that people know what to expect. And then finally, I've talked a lot about management systems and people and whatever, but you need a constant, relentless focus on execution. Uh, all the great leaders I know during good times, they focus really hard and that's when they push. And then during bad times, that's when you support, you support your people. Whereas the poor leaders are just the opposite. They normally are complacent when things are going okay and then they get all excited when there's a problem. So the better leaders are do it just the other way around. So Sam, looking at this book from a organizational oversight standpoint, throughout your book you provide principles for achieving superior performance. How can companies apply these principles in their organizations? Well, Russell, when I wrote the book, I, I provide a lot of tips and techniques uh, that we found to be very effective. But then as I completed it, I, I developed a 10-step roadmap for achieving operational excellence. And uh, I did that so that any kind of organization, no matter where you are today, you might think that you've got a, an outstanding uh, management system and organization, or you may have a lot of problems and think, I need to uh, improve. Well, I wrote the 10-step roadmap so that anybody can take it and fill in the blanks and gaps and, and give you more of an indication of where you can focus and improve your performance. So I think that's a, it's going to be helpful to companies and organizations, uh, either companies as a whole or even departments within companies. That was the intention. Okay, so if we shift that thought directly to the individual, how can reading this book help the individual? Well, you know, in the today's competitive environment, I believe companies and individuals need to be the very best at what they do. 
And so my hope is uh, individuals can read it. And I talk a lot about uh, balance in life. I talk about uh, behavior change, what impacts people. Uh, a person, everybody is a leader in their own way. You influence others around you. And so I think the book uh, will help people to be more confident in how they approach their life and their work and give some tips on how to, how to be more influential uh, to make the good things happen. Well, looking back on your stellar career and the successes you've been a part of along the way, what are some of the most powerful lessons that you've learned? Wow, that's an interesting one. That I'd say uh, to uh, be very optimistic. You know, things get good and they get bad, and uh, but everything always tends to come back. So be optimistic. Be persistent in what you're doing. Uh, be enthusiastic. You know, people don't like to work around people that are constantly negative and, uh, you know, complaining. You know, people like, like people of good cheer uh, that has a plan. Uh, and I think if you do all those kind of things, it makes you a better person and it, and it influences people around you. Well, Sam, we have one last question before we end today's session. I want to start out by saying, uh, before we close this out, that you've been an inspirational leader to us all. Throughout your career, you have touched many lives and have made us all the better. Many of us on this uh, podcast, listening to this podcast today, have been fortunate to work with you and have benefited from your knowledge, leadership, and most of all, passion. Knowing your humble beginnings from a small town of New Gulf, Texas, to being the eldest child of six, the only boy, I might add, which is pretty amazing, I know your parents, your faith, the Boy Scouts, and sports have shaped you heavily uh, from a standpoint of who you are today. I also know that as a servant leader, you give credit to those around you, seeking to learn from everyone. With all this in mind, however, if I had to ask you what makes you the most proud, what would your answer be? Well, Russell, uh, <clears throat> I'd have to say uh, I'm most proud of trying to, to uh, lead a very balanced life. Uh, you know, I follow the, what's called the seven F's, faith, family, friends, finance, fitness, future focus, and fun. And what I've learned is that if you neglect any of those for very long, uh, it, it becomes a problem, you know, so you really need to, to, to use balance in your life. <clears throat> and my family has, uh, has never been second to anything that I do. I was always there for my children's activities, and I coached baseball for nine years in a row while I ran chemical plants that had lots of problems. But somehow or another, if you prioritize uh, and don't waste time, you can do it. You know, so I guess that's what I'm most proud of. And, uh, and I hope that those of you reading the book, uh, you'll pick up some tips to do the same thing. Well, Sam, thank you again for joining us here today and for sharing your insight and perspective on the power of Goal Zero. This session has been extremely rewarding for me, as I'm sure it has for you, the listener. For those of you that have not yet read the book, I strongly encourage you to pick up a copy. The Power of Goal Zero results-focused leadership for achieving superior performance by Sam Smolik. And there you have it. Special thanks to our two guest speakers 
our guest host Russell Kleingarner with Hask, and our guest speaker Sam Smolik, the author of The Power of Goal Zero. If what you heard on this podcast piques your interest and you want more information, there's two ways that we know of that you can obtain Sam's book. One, visit samsmolik.com, and the second, Amazon. Go to Amazon and search up for The Power of Goal Zero or Sam Smolik, and you should be able to receive a copy then. So I hope you enjoy your reading, and as always, stay safe.